1: So the L.A. Rams will be the number two seed. They finished 13-3, and a 13-win season for the third time in franchise history. I've been dreaming this my whole life. time so have you. Yeah. It's time to put in the work. Yeah. Every man gonna dominate. Right, Offense, defense, special team. Let's go. What are we
0: talking about? Greg Zerline sends the Rams to the Super Bowl.
3: Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Derek C. Paul, my co-host, my partner in crime, Michael Stewart, a former Angeles Strengths Offensive Back, who is locked in, locked down on the coronavirus (laughs) stay-at-home life. Man alive. How are you doing? How are you staying busy?
1: Man, we're doing well, but, uh, you know, the teaching part and the coaching part still keeps us busy, so... In the family. But, you know, it's been a good time to, you know, just get caught up on some some things, other things. And, uh, you know, keeping these young kids inspired as far as the classroom part of things. And, you know, the athletes, of course, trying to keep them conditioning as best they can. And so, you know, hopefully as things uh, play out in the next couple of weeks, we'll get a little bit more direction on which way we're going. And that'll kind of get us locked
3: in on. How to uh, approach things in a wise manner. Uh, what have the what has your program done thus far to try and stay prepared for what's to come? Well, the main thing
1: is just trying to make sure you know we we just kind of figure we're, we're dealing with high school kids, and yes, you want to be conditioned, but you know I'm a proponent of being a multi sport athlete anyway. So the idea would be. Kind of when I came through, you know, you're doing other sports, you got ready for football with the two week double days that you had and you were ready to go. We got a little advantage with, you know, one of our strength coaches, a former young lady, actually, a former uh, weightlifting champion, uh, dynamic and just uh, inspiring the kids. So, sends out a workout every uh, morning about six o'clock for sure. Uh, hits our huddle account and kids can and everybody reports back in on their time. Uh, you know, like today it was a mile run and was some v ups of some sit ups and things like that, and then you report back your time. So if guys are doing what they're reporting, then we'll be in at least you know decent shape when we get back going. But you know, high school kids, you know, give them two weeks, good conditioning, and and they'll be
3: you know starting to get in shape. That's a lot of faith right there. couple of weeks? Yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, it yeah,
3: depends on what they're doing at home.
1: Well, that's the thing. You know, you hope that the numbers align. But, you know, uh, this week we're probably going to start going to more of our, you know, live Zoom video meetings and things like that and start to get a little bit more into our coverages and defenses and, and prepping more. But, you know, talking to an AD today and, you know, no one wants to say or not be optimistic, but just trying to read between the lines. I think
3: we're a ways away from getting back to the gridiron. Today, we got the word that Ohio is closing down school the rest of the year. We're all online the rest of the year. So all of our spring sports are gone. And I've this senior, this senior class we have now is the first class that I had at this school on teaching here, and, and it's, I was actually pretty well bonded with them my first year here, and so it's just been kind of tough to watch their senior year just get wrecked, get absolutely wrecked. So I'm hoping that those are coming behind them who will hopefully get their year next year. Hopefully these kids get their full seniors next year, and they can be a little more appreciative of it. My, I think my concern over time, as a teacher, and watching these generations go through the school, is that we've had a pretty good life. They have, at least. I look back over the last, oh, over the last almost twenty years, and the two Iraq, Afghanistan wars didn't really affect them. They were too young to really worry about the housing collapse. They, you know, it wasn't something that probably impacted them too much on a personal level to where they remember it. Nine Eleven. These kids weren't born yet. So what tough things have this generation really been through at this point? And now they got it. And my concern is that they, my concern, Mike, was that they hadn't been challenged enough yet in life to be ready. And I think, I hope that this, what, they're, what we're all going through now is, is something that does help prepare them for life i mean is that even appropriate to say
1: yeah I, I i totally agree you know and it's not just the kids i mean i'm i'm emailing and instagramming and facebook instant messengering and all those kind of things to, to grown-up people like us you know who are really getting up in air about the unknown and not really relying on history that well, these things have kind of always happened. It's just happening more at home this time, meaning the United States. Mm-hmm. So uh, there have been many countries that, you know, somewhat destitute, if you will, things like that. That's where why we have missionaries. They go to these foreign places and people have little to nothing. And that's why, you know, we get so many people trying to, you know, cross the border for a better life, if you will, because they're in places where you don't have running water inside. So we have been uh, somewhat spoiled in a, in a lot of ways. And, you know, this is just awakening. But I've seen a lot of people that are helping each other and things like that. But I, I take cues from from some of the homeless population. You know, they're going literally about their day as nothing has changed. And you go, mm-hmm. wow, man, they, they you know, but for them, it's like, guys, we've been doing this for a while. Okay, you guys, maybe you'll be able to learn something from us. And I love what you said earlier about being more appreciative and just more thankful. And I think something in this time like this makes us all
3: start to be hopefully a lot more of both of those things. Yeah, and my comments there, too, like, they aren't saying, I'm not saying that people haven't gone through things. I'm talking on a very general level. This generation as a whole likely hasn't faced something like this before. Yeah, I mean, no,
1: not at all. But what you're saying, Derek, I mean, how many kids at your school have iPhones?
3: Uh, they, they're fair share. You see what I mean? <laughs> yeah.
1: So. I mean I'm not uh again yeah, my alma mater it's it's changed uh geographically and and in regards to you know the type of kid and and what neighborhoods are coming from, but even what you might consider what may be a poor student has an iphone, so they're spending or we are spending money on certain things. But again, I just think this allows us to all say what's really important, you know, in life as, you know, we have to look at these challenging times.
3: The the thing is, even in my district, a large portion of my district is on free reduced lunch. You know, these are very good families, very good people overall. And even so, many of them have things I never would have thought of having and Again, like, even when I was a kid growing up, we had the we had Desert Storm, we had the good stuff like the fall of the Berlin Wall and everything. And I just can't even fathom what these folks are going through now. Like these kids are, and and just having time with my students. It, it's hard on them. It's hard being away from their friends. It's hard being away from school. It's hard being away from having their entire lives turned upside down. Their parents are stuck at home too. They all know what their future is going to be like. And But with these challenges you hope builds resilience and builds strength and I'm hoping against all hope that this turns a lot of people into better people. I'm hoping that not just my students but me and anybody else around us in life. I that's why I, I really took an issue with Todd always whole calling out the Rams thing from you know over his money, like, dude you're you're doing that publicly when ah, geez, some people are worried about their next paycheck right now. This economy's being tanked in this attempt to stop the disease. So I just um it's it's been hard to do. But fortunately, Mike, we have a draft this week, something finally sports that we can actually take part and and watch and and that's encouraging right something for us to talk about absolutely
1: absolutely you know i think that uh you know as we work our way through this new uh phenomenon of life in today's world uh we'll be able to like you said and i agree and like i'm saying hopefully appreciate Some of the things that, you know, allow us to be a little more distracted, but maybe we'll have a better fan now who actually is not throwing stuff at their their team because they dropped the ball or a player they dropped the ball or didn't win. And maybe they're just going to, you know, clap just because everyone is out there working hard and trying to do their best. So. Uh hopefully all those things, but absolutely draft coming up on Friday. It's going to be something new, but in reality, how many people wanted to be away from their family and friends anyway?
3: So this may just be a new way to do it. Guess to counter your point a little bit, just because why not? Maybe in the end, just because these these players have all had their livelihoods taken away from the baseball has not even had a chance to start this year. Some of these players, like I say, Mike Trout, he's in his prime now. He's losing a year in his prime. I mean, maybe that changes some of the attitudes of the, of the athletes and even some of the owners. You know, we see a lot of times some athletes take on a very entitled attitude, a very um, "I'm better than you" attitude. Well, guess what? None of us are working right now, dude. And you, just, and you get paid to do something you're passionate about. Well, now you can't even do that, and you're watching some of your best years of your life go away. So, maybe just maybe that's something that changes in the future. Oh, there's no doubt. No doubt, DC. No doubt. And
1: I just anticipate everyone is going to be a lot more appreciative and excited about being able to do something. You know, as I drove by my school today, you just look out there, it's like, wow, man, the grass is really green right now. It's like, oh yeah, there's no one been on it and there's no one practicing and and to your point you know our kids are starting off and our our baseball team had been a little maligned the last couple of years a uh, coach is finally getting some things turned around and gear in the fields and and they were looking at having an outstanding year well that's gone and like you said for those who are seniors it's a wrap there's there's no like okay we're going to come back later in the summer and and do some of this you know people that were running track Uh, you know, all these spring sport uh, personnel and people getting ready. uh, Yeah, it's nada. So yes, I'm anticipating a lot more gratefulness, thankfulness and appreciation from everybody, you know, instead of complaining about
3: having or going to work, hopefully people will be a lot more excited about doing it. Well, let's get excited now because we have the draft coming up. Before we do, Hollywood's team, Jim Hawk's book, They've been sponsors for a while. Thank you very much for that. Also reminds me where more podcast can be found, including Spotify, Spreaker, Apple Music. We still have that contest going. We've had a couple of nice reviews, so we'll take some time this weekend to read them. And don't forget our our draft shows coming up as well. For that five star review, can I just bounce I did the I just told totally we to the like the ADHD thing, just bounced off and came back. You like that? Just wanted to point that out. I liked it. <laughs> so This contest, you guys know what it is. It's been going on for a while. I've had some nice reviews. Please head over to Apple Music. Leave a five-star review. It has to be in writing, because otherwise we wouldn't know it's you. Send a screenshot from your email address so we know who who it actually is and you're entered in. We've had a couple of really nice ones. I will make sure to read them this weekend. In the meantime, let's talk some draft. And I wanted this show to be all about Michael Stewart. And the reason why is Mike is, a, is now coaching. He's, he's coaching kids who are going to wind up going to college and going off and, and becoming part of this, the pipeline. He was on the field, and he's got a passion for the Rams. And quite frankly, I want to know where he thinks this team should go as that player. Having now sat down and had a chance to breathe with us all stuck at home, So today, Mike is putting on the GM hat. Dun, dun, dun. GM Mike Stewart. Okay? We're going to put him on the clock here and ask him right away, Mike, with you wearing that GM hat for the Rams, what are your priorities entering this draft? My
1: priorities and my good cohort, assistant GM, Derek Ciappala, hoping you are <laughs> going to give me some good feedback on this. Uh, but if I were just to look at, you know, our needs just from my standpoint, you know, one, you know, edge rusher, linebacker, maybe need a safety to to back up Johnson and, and Rapp, who seems to have come on as a rookie, uh, need some O-line depth, uh wide receiver depth and uh possibly even a running back you know to you know i i, I feel that uh, the rams with the guys that we didn't retain uh feel like things are in house in regards to the guys that didn't let get away but those guys who are stepping up have some some big shoes to fill at some of those positions but i think the core nucleus especially defensively Aaron Donald coming back and. You know, you got Johnny Johnson secondary. You got Brockers, who was able to come back. Obviously, we got the big man at the D, D- line, big Donald. So I think we're good there. But if I were to say, need edge rusher, linebacker, safety, O line, wide receiver, and running back. What's your take?
3: Well, I'm wondering for you, like, where are you starting? Like, are you starting in? the early part of the draft looking for a wide receiver running back edge rusher like where are you going well if i were to go
1: in order i'm probably going as rusher one so with the 52nd pick you know we're picking there since we gave up our first rounders but that's probably where i'm going first is edge
3: rusher edge rusher and let's say the one you want's not there for you too what what's next on your priority list Well, if the edge rusher's not there, I'm probably going to flip a coin between linebacker and safety. Linebacker safety. So you're not, even though the team has lost Todd Gurley and Brandon Cook say, well, they didn't lose him. They let him go. You're going defense first.
1: I am. I am. In the sense of, because let's just break it down. Uh, Receiver-wise, you have Cooper Cuff. Robert Woods, right? We can agree, solid. We got a backup there in Simba Webster, okay? And then we also have, uh, you know, Josh Reynolds, and then we got Greg Dortch. But Josh Reynolds is, you know, if he's in the slot, probably be our starter. So we have those guys, at least on the number ones, that are returners, know the system, they've been here, solid players. You know we have a couple uh, backups behind those guys who have also at least been in the system. So wide receiver is probably not as priority for me as it would be edge rusher, knowing that we have uh, Henderson who can. I'm I'm going to say he's going to probably surprise a lot of people.
3: Gotcha. So you're because of that you're more confident. You are more. You're more good to go on the offense. You really want to fix up that defense. Yeah, in the sense of
1: the key for us defensively is to get off the field, get the ball back into our offense's hand. The more we can do that per game, even if we can get one or two extra possessions, you know, that's anywhere from two to three, seven to 14 points. So, that's what I'm looking at, being able to get off the field on third down and get the ball back to the offense to at least give them that one or two more possessions per game to put work in. And hopefully, uh, not hopefully, but I anticipate them or us being able to run the ball a little bit better next year and do some of the things that we did a year before.
3: Well, a lot of experts have gone offensive line here or a linebacker, got away from this skill in terms of the traditional skill, so to speak, the wide receiver running back. Last week, our cohort, Steve Goldstein, on the show, talked about how he felt like the Rams' offensive line is better than people think it's going to be. With one year of basically under the fire, they're going to be fine, and there's not really this massive need to go get somebody in the early part of the draft. Do you agree or disagree with that?
1: Yeah, that's why I agree. So that's why I had them, you know, more or less one, two, three, fourth down uh, on my list in regards to, you know, you have the veteran in, in Whitworth and you have the guys who played last year. The thing was, it was different last year in 19 than 2018 was just an injury bug. And so, You're having to kind of move guys around, switch guys in and out, not maybe playing as much as their natural position as they would normally because you just need a guy to get in there and and take up some space and do the best he can, even though he may not be playing his natural position. But, yes, I would agree that I think at least at the O-line, we have a lot more depth than maybe
3: people think. All right. So. With that second pick, who are your top three guys? If they're there, you're you're getting them. So if I'm going second pick, hold on,
1: pulling my notes up here. We're going that second pick. You know, I'm just looking at the the top. You know, outside linebacker, edge rushers. Isaiah Simmons from Clemson. You know, we could play if we play the Clemson. We got Clavion, chaseson from l s u another place you could play, uh maybe a little bit of sleeper Zach Vaughn from Wisconsin, and then Terrell Lewis from Alabama so by the fifty two pick you know fifty second pick, I'm hoping uh one of those four guys are there, and you know if I were to bet right now, I'm gonna say you know we may be able to grab Clavion chasing from LSU.
3: So then at 57, where are you going? 57, I'm going right back to uh,
1: you know, linebacker again. And, you know, maybe that's inside and and we're looking at, you know, Kenneth Murray from Oklahoma, Patrick Queen from LSU again, another great player, Logan Wilson. Uh but by that that time we're probably gonna either end up with uh Logan Wilson or
3: Jordan Brooks from Texas Tech. Logan Brooks, that is one that keeps coming up for the Rams. Like he's like views a fit. Why is he a fit? Well, you gotta figure, you know, he's
1: played in, you know, uh or practiced somewhat against, you know, a defense and you know, he's from Houston area, played there, he went to Texas Tech, so and he's got good size, two forty five, you know only thing that and the reason why we may get him is because of a, a a shoulder surgery, but good good linebacker, you know made some good plays, you know a lot a number of them for losses and things like that. so you know you're just looking for a guy that is one hungry, has something to prove, and he kind of fits all those things
3: and then going into the third round, with those guys off the board now, where are you going? Well,
1: you know, again, now we're we're looking at possibly a secondary player at safety. So now we're looking at, you know, Kyle Duggar, he'll be gone. Antoine Winfield, he'll be gone. So now you're down to a Terrell Burg- Burgess from Utah or Joss, uh Metellus from Michigan and possibly Antoine Brooks, Jr. from Maryland. I really like him just because his overall size, just good – You know He's a hard hitter. He's all over the field and a very smart player, and he has some quarterback history on his resume. So when you get a guy in the secondary who's played at the quarterback position, they can see things sometimes. Remember, I played with a great one of those in Nolan Cromwell, who was a great, outstanding quarterback in college and now made Pro Bowls in NFL. He just can kind of see things differently. He already knows where they are. Uh, quarterbacks uh, thinking about, but because, you know, he's able to get around and he's got some hitting ability. And sometimes with these schemes, he has ability to actually come down in the box too. So you may see a guy like him move a guy to a different position. That allows a defense like the Rams, who, you know, seem like they want to go three, four, but when you got a guy who kind of can be a hybrid, I was fortunate enough to be able to do some of those things. To me, he may be one of those sleeper guys who may have a little bit of chip on his shoulder as
3: well. But help me understand this. You want to take a safety that high when they already have two good ones in Taylor Rapp and John Johnson. So why the well, third safety that high? We're, you're, you're not saying technically that high. I mean, it's high. But
1: the cool thing is the Rams have always had safety play that were higher picks. I was one of the fortunate people that, you know, lower round pick eighth round, but you had a Johnny Johnson first round pick. You had a Nolan Cromwell, you know, you had a Vince Newsom. you know, Jerry Gray played corner in safety in college, played corner in, in the Rams, but also could play safety. Then you had me, then you had two years in a row. You had two second round picks at safety and Anthony Newman And Pat Terrell. So that's been known to have competition at that position. And you want to have solid depth at that position. You don't want to go from a guy who's starting to your backup guy who knows a little or nothing and really just should only be on a special team. No, you need to have a guy who can absolutely play and back up and go for it.
3: All right. So. You're going deaf there at a high level, you know, real I think it's pretty high. Third round, they have so many different needs. Are you looking to trade down or up or just at all in this draft? What do you what's your strategy here? No, my strategy is stay pat. I mean, you're only gonna trade down
1: if you see a guy maybe like, like Antoine uh Woodfield Jr. from Minnesota or, or this Antoine Brooks that I'm saying from Maryland. You see a guy that may be there a little bit later, but again, you know, that's always a maybe. It and it's always a risk that you take when you're trying to drop down for something. But the cool thing with draft day, there's always going to be just like the stock market, there's going to be something that's an opportunity and you just got to be ready to pounce on
3: it if it presents itself. Okay, so one more here. Just want to get, dig on you a little bit more. Yeah. What are some things about this draft with your GM hat on that you are thinking about that the other experts haven't proposed? I think we kind of got one a safety that high. Anything else?
1: No, not really. Because I think everyone knows it is supposed to be a pretty deep wide receiver draft. That's why I'm feeling that you know we can wait a little later because you can find. Some great quality and and depth uh, throughout the draft. So, because there's so
3: many receivers, we should be able to get a good receiver at that pick. So they can wait. In other words, they can afford to wait and find the guy they want for the price they can get them at. Absolutely. Well,
1: this is what I'm banking on. If you look at our number one, okay, our number one, you got. Cooper Cuff, you got Robert Woods, you got Josh Reynolds, you got Andrew Whitmer holding it down at the tackle, you got Austin Corbett, you got Brian Allen, you got Austin Blythe, you got Haverstein, you got Tyler Higbee. Now, we've already discussed, it looks like the Rams would love to go more 12 personnel, which means one of the receivers may come out and we'll have this two tight end monster, if you will. So that being the case, you could see, I mean, we've got a number of tight ends still on the roster. And then you have Jared Goff. And then again, the running back, they technically have Daryl Henderson at number two right now, but I just think that's just to make him, prepare and, and be hungry to, to take that number one spot. But we got, you know, some good running back competition. You got to do Malcolm Brown, who's like, guys, you guys keep kind of just overlooking me, but I'm the guy. Then you got Daryl Henderson, who we know can fly, can catch the ball, can do some things. Uh, then you got John Kelly, who's sitting back behind those guys. But if you take those three running backs, you should have a great competition when it comes to camp, and then we'll talk a little bit later about that position as adding someone else to come in there and put a little more pressure. But overall, when you just look at our, our starting five, you got some seasons, you got some youth, and you have some, oh, some consistency that if everyone cannot get banged up like last year, we should be okay there. And now you bring everybody else along.
3: So we should be fine. It's interesting you're talking about staying pat. And you're talking a lot of positives here. For a team that basically has a ridiculous amount of money lost in dead money alone. And we've talked about, I mean, I've said it over and over again, taking your medicine. It doesn't seem like you think there are lost causes here. Like some fans are thinking. Where are the Rams?
1: No, I, I don't think it's a lost cause. However, remember what we talked about uh last week or the week before, I believe the season for every NFL team is just gonna be, as you noted a little bit in our opening, just excited to see football again. That being the case, even if things don't go as well as should be, I just believe with what we have now adding some new guys from the draft. Pick correctly. Don't go crazy and do something crazy. Uh, Add those in with the guys you have. You have, I'm just calling this year, let's just call the whole year a camp year, if you will. Everybody's just going to get back going, excited to be back, and so on and so forth. Because remember, we don't know what this season's going to look like. But again, if I got my crystal ball, I'm saying, you know, we're going to get a late start. We're going to be looking more at a 10-12 game season, not the normal, and then playoffs. That being the case, you're looking at this just being kind of a learning, growing, getting back, used to things being somewhat more normal, and then we go for the goal next year. Now you ask so maybe a free agent here, a free agent there. And maybe you move up, you haven't traded away a first round pick for next year, I don't think. And so then you go back in. But you have this year to get everybody to grow up a little bit more, be more consistent. And at the end of the day, a lot of it's going to be on how well
3: and consistently Jared Groff is playing. So I'm about to wreck your dreams a little bit here. Come on, wreck them, wreck them. They traded that first round pick for next year too.
1: Okay, well, <laughs> there again, you know, the thing is with with Lesney, yeah, I, I should have looked that up, daydreaming. But the thing is, that being the case, again, the advantage they have is their own film watching practice and the belief system. You know, a lot of the games we saw, obviously, we're like, what are they doing? Why is this happening? Why is that? We don't really know why that really was or is, but we do know it's now been just by the guys that are no longer here. You can say Coach McVay is saying this is now my show completely, you know, and so I think all that being the case, you you maybe get out the people that don't want to be there or maybe thinking, oh, yeah, you thought you were the young wonder boy or whatever. I don't know. Seemed like they all got along pretty well. But when you see this much movement, I just have to speculate that something a little bit more was going on behind the scene that you somewhat want to move on from what would be considered pretty good coaches.
3: So, you missed mentioned unless needed. And and by the way, my, my strategy for the draft is to try and stay put. Best player available every time. If possible. If unless there's somebody that you think with pretty darn good assurance that will be there next time around, you can trade down. But I think it's definitely best player available for what you need, no matter what, and you're not playing games this draft. You just have too much depth. But then again, the Rams seem to always figure it out by being aggressive in the draft. So we'll see. I'm, that's my strategy. A article this week put Lesney, this is from Greg Rosenthal at NFL.com, put Lesney in the top 10 for NFL GMs. Do you agree with
1: that? Yeah, I would, I would say, yeah. I mean, if you looked at the guys that have been drafted, they've all done pretty well.
3: That's, but it's not just the draft, though. It's, it's free agency. It's trades. It's more than just the draft. And we've talked no, about draft for quite a bit. Draft,
1: but we got some good guys in free agency as well. But again, the thing about free agency is, it's not like you always can go out and get a Deion Sanders and automatically just now you're in a Super Bowl. You know what I mean? A lot of these situations when you have a guy coming from a different scheme. I mean, we found that out with Marcus Peters. It's like, man, he's you know doing a lot of things. Seem like he can see the best, but then we saw that yeah, he's not that good in actual man on man. If you just put him out there man on man every single time, so. We found that out. They changed the scheme and then he played really strong down the stretch. But then he's no longer here, only to go to the Baltimore and seem like he resurrected himself. So, again, was that a chemistry issue with coaching? Was it a chemistry issue with players? Was it just the fact that you're coming into a situation, you know, after a game or two as a higher gun? You know, it's different than. You know, you sign as a free agent in January or February or whatever, and and you're there the whole offseason getting to know guys. You're there during camp as opposed to you're a second game trade guy. So and I think that's the the thing we'll see Jalen Ramsey look like old Jalen Ramsey this year just because it's not like, man, I had to move. I had to, you know, man, yeah, I'm going and you're going to say all the best things, but you're just not going to come to a whole new scheme and just learn it from the terminology to the scheme to how they really want you to play it in a week or two. It just doesn't happen that way.
3: My, my question, though, is then what do you say about the risks you took? You know, the one that you know, the start didn't work out. The Marcus Peters one didn't, didn't. He struggled his one year, one full year here, but w- alongside Q Talib. At the end of the year, in 2018, they got together and they went to a Super Bowl. Next year, traded. Akib Tlaib plays half a year, basically, in 2018. Solidifies defense when he comes back. But then he's gone the next year he's injured. Uh, boy, man. Uh, the Sammy Watkins trade. Giving up the round pick for Sammy Watkins. He's gone in a year and doesn't produce like we'd expect him to in that year. What about all those deals that don't work in, in the long term, but yet they kind of did?
1: Right. And that's what I'm saying. When you talk about Akib Talib, that guy was balling. The only thing that stopped him was uh, the injury bug kind of in there. And I think based on his age, they probably said, you know, Getting a little old. He's been injured now twice. Ah, we might want to try to make a move before, you know, it's a career-ending injury. You know, uh Sammy Watkins, uh sometimes again, playing here in LA is different. You have a lot of distractions, you know. And so I laugh when I look at teams in LA, I look at the Dolphins. You know, I look at uh, Atlanta and what you find out a lot of these places like that, they have a lot of nightlife that is distracting to guys. What I think makes New England, you know, it's kind of out there uh, where, yeah, I'm sure they got places they could go, but it's not going to be as distracting because you got snow, you got this, you're not. You're not just out, as they say, in them streets. So, here in LA, it's a lot different. You gotta be able to stay focused. You see a lot of Hollywood, you know, on the sideline. You, you can get caught up in the going-out scene and, you know, you at the same parties with Kardashians or whoever else and all those things for certain guys can actually affect their play on the field, though it may not be reported in the media. So, You look around and, you know, the chemistry is a little off here and there. So I don't really count those things as negative because of the guys who have actually played. I mean, Jalen Ramsey, are we going to say he's not a player? Like, I would have never thought we could even gotten a guy. Now we gave up some stuff. But at the same time, we still got a guy with one year now left on his contract. But now will be second year. He's now here. And you know, hopefully this'll turn out really well, I don't say hopefully, I'm looking forward to it because Jalen is a guy who can actually play the position. He can cover one on one, he'll come up and hit you, he can play in his own, and he plays with that that, hey guys, let's go. So when you put all those things in, he's gonna be fine. And and now pairing him with, you know, again, rap having uh, a year on his belt, so now he's got the rookie jitters out the way. Uh, second year is always kind of a big year for any anybody who you know looking for a lot of improvement. And, but I think you put all that t- together. We got Aaron Donald and just get a couple guys, but you get some guys with desire, and that's why I think Les has done a a real real good job at at least getting guys that just aren't total guys can't play.
3: My Concern about less need is that he's he's uneven. Like we know he's a film free. He'll go out there and he'll break down any film free. He'll find guys in the draft that he knows will likely work out. Has a good shot working out. And yet that aggression does catch up to him. They haven't had a first round pick since 2016. They won't have one next year. They and that's the traditional way of thinking. They're fortunate enough that they've drafted it so well to cover for a lot of that, but you aren't going to find a whole lot of stars after that first round. So, if you need a little bit of star power, you develop it or you got to sign it. And developing it is is—it's a chore, man. It's something you got to make happen. What happens if, say, the 2020 class doesn't, doesn't work out? What if in the end, during his tenure, the only three years they get above 500 were 2017, 2018, 2019. What, when does his track record of, say, the Sammy Watkins trade work against him in terms of how you evaluate him? And I'm not even saying that is the case overall. I mean, it's not what winds up not being the greatest decision, but like the Ramsey trade, I'd make that t- I would make that trade 20 times over. But because some of the other trades didn't work out, you're looking at this one going, okay. Um, now, we were going to lose Ramsey too, and some fans are, are are thinking that way. I don't think I don't think they have two first round picks to let him go after a year and a half. But then again, I didn't think they let Watkins go after a year. They did. So, yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, but. You know, I guess I look at a guy who, you know, at his age, 49 and, you know, graduate assistant at Auburn for a couple years with the Jaguars for a couple years as a pro scout. But then he spent 12 to 13 years in Atlanta as pro as a pro scout. So that means you're out, you're on planes, you're going in the neck of the deep country you're visiting places you're breaking down film you know so it wasn't like he just did pro scouting for a couple of years then became director player personnel and no he was he was actually working at that craft for a number of years so i think all those things and experience plays to his advantage and again is every pick gonna happen but what i know that less does know if you take a, a feather out of the bill, Belichick, New England Patriots, they have went to Super Bowls on guys with guys who are what people call grinders, just guys who want to get after it. You know, yeah, they had some Willie McGinnesses and things like that. But at the same time, you get some guys that are hungry. They're going to go out. They're not missing practice. They're going to play through a little being banged up. You know, they're not going to be, you know, out in the streets instead of breaking down film. They're actually going to be trying to get better at their job. So I think in that sense, he he has some some leeway in being able to uh, find those guys from the film study, from the seeing them up close, from the guy who's not maybe the face of back in the day, Sports Illustrated, (laughs) Dating myself, now ESPN. But uh, so that being the case, I I, I just put a little bit more faith in the process, I guess. And not so much, you know, picks because picks a dime a dozen. But I think if we did an overall rating on how number one draft picks have done. You're going to have probably higher More Hall of Fame guys that weren't number one picks.
3: In the end, I do wonder overall with Lestina if he even gets a fair shake. How many GMs pull off the trades he did pull off? How many of them do we always expect to work out? Draft picks the same way. There's draft pick records outstanding. And when people bring up those comments, though, I do think back and go, the guy was going for a Super Bowl. We would be be calling this dude out hardcore if he didn't go for it. So then when he goes for it, takes some risks, and it doesn't go exactly how you want it to go, now you're going to say he's a horrible GM. I don't see any other GMs in the league. Well, I won't say any, but many other GMs in the league being able to pull off what he's pulled off in terms of making things happen when he felt the team was close.
0: Right.
1: But those are the things where we say, you know, I don't want to say in their world, it was an educated guess, but it's an educated pick. It's an educated trade based on, you know, real time and real life information. Again, the thing is, these things, no matter who the player is, typically you're not just getting a guy coming from somewhere one year and then he just settles in and rises to the top the next year, no matter how good he is. You know, I, I brought up Deion Sanders earlier. The advantage that Deion had was they would just tell him, go lock up on that guy. It it wasn't a whole lot of you had to learn scheme and coverages and all that kind of stuff. So he was able to go from Atlanta to the Niners to The Cowboys and then to Washington. uh, And then I think he ended up with Baltimore somewhere down the end. But because of his speed and because of just being able to cover man on man, there would say, hey, Dion, you go cover that guy. Okay, cool. I got it. He wasn't worried so much about, man, we in cover three. We in cover two. Man, is that three bail? You know, we we got a corner cat called Blitz off the corner. No, I just got the best dude on their team, and that's what
3: I do. Cool. I mean, you got you have to go for it sometimes. Absolutely. So, I mean, was there was the we had with with Steve, or was it with um, I forget what it was. Excuse me, Cliff from Colin Cowherd, where Cowherd mentioned the Rams wanting all the new cars. I think it was a very naive thing to say, because the Rams had made the, made the call to go try and win a title. And you're not going to win the title if you don't find the guys you think will make that happen. And they thought they did. Did all of it work out the way they wanted to? No, but they went for it. When other teams don't, they don't take the risk. And... What I find amazing, and no one's talking about it now, but yeah, we can hammer the Rams for trading Brandon Cooks. But if you had told me they're going to get a second round pick out trading Brandon Cooks at this point, I would have said you lost your marbles. A. B, if you would have told me they would really only get hammered for one year. Next year they'll get some hammering for for a dead cap, but really one year on the dead cap. And that means they have a whole ton of flexibility for a year where there's going to be cap money available in 2021. We're talking about a team that could make a return very quickly to the tailgate and beyond with just a few adjustments, with some development this year. So it's not like the Rams are dead in the water. They're not dead in the water at all. But yet the add to we're seeing from some folks is it's going to be 2020 is going to be horrible. 2020 is going to be this 2021 is they, they blew their future. Well, no, they haven't. If they, if they play their cards right, they haven't at all. And in the draft, they've been playing it right for years. Right.
1: And, and you know, the thing is, uh, you got to kind of look at things just from a natural standpoint. Because, uh, Leslie Snead, I believe, would have been with the Falcons when they ended up losing to the Patriots, right? In that Super Bowl. That they were up and then they lost down the stretch. A lot of people thought they lost down the stretch because the D-line just ran out of gas and no longer was able to get a pass
3: rush, right? Well, what do we have that's amongst the tops? Um, you're losing me we here. Got, well, we got a pretty good pass rush, but we don't now. That's going to be the, the counter argument: is they lost that part of that pass rush. How do you figure? Well, you you let Matthews go, you let Littleton go, you let Dante Fowler Jr. go, and now you're left with Aaron Donald, who get double teamed. So now you got to find a new pass rush. I'm not saying they won't have one, but that's kind of an interesting point to make because they don't have what they've had in the past. Now they could replace it in the draft, which hope they do. But it's not a given. Well, you
1: think that, but we got Aaron Donald, we got <clears throat> Brockers, we got a uh, guy who is over from Atlanta. Uh, why am I drawing a blank? We got. Uh, you mean, I mean well from, from the Bears? A. Robinson, right? We got. Linda Floyd that's from, a
3: run stopper there, and Floyd is a pass rusher. A. Sean and
1: and, and, yeah. and Floyd is a pass rusher, right? So the thing is, again, as you just noted. If you get Floyd and now he becomes that guy that they thought he could be, again, people forget how cold it is in Chicago. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? People forget about that. So, yeah, we saw one of the best D linemen go there and ball out, but he's the best D lineman, one of them, anyway. Right? Let me but call again, him out. Co- right. Right. But but my thing is people forget how cold it is in Chicago. Some people just, yeah man, I'm gonna go to Green Bay. They drafted me, they gonna pay me. Or I'm gonna go to New England, or I'm gonna go to Chicago. But if you could go there or go to LA, where are you going? You're going to LA, even if you got to go play with the Chargers. Man, I'm going out to Or I'm going to Miami. Yes, I will take that warm weather over some freezing, slippy ground, cold. So all those things play into it. So I'm looking at a guy like Leonard Floyd coming here and go, this is what I'm talking about. You can go play in a Chicago game or a Green Bay game or a Philly game, a one game when it's chilly. You can muster up. Courage, heat packs on the sidelines. But if you gotta play three or four of them at your home, that's your home stadium, you forget the guys gotta practice in it too. They have bubbles and all that stuff, but you still freezing cold, coming to work, driving to work, going home, living your life. California, come oh on man, none be that. So I'm saying we got the best guy, Aaron Donald. We got a run plugger in Ashawn Robinson. We got a guy now in in Floyd, somewhat coming off the edge. We got Samson, uh I, if you come, is it you if you Ebukam Ebukam E right? Uh obviously Lawler's been here. Micah Kaiser, hopefully he can raise up rise up. And then, you know, we got a secondary. But my thing is, yes, now we're talking about Pitts. We've got Brockers coming back. So if A'shawn can turn out to be what we need to stop stuff, okay, that takes off some of the double teams. If Leonard can produce, you know, even a little bit, uh, we're going to be good there. And, again, you know, I named a couple guys in the draft. You get a guy like that. Maybe he's a steal who's the next. Maybe he's not the next LT, but maybe he's close to the next Khalil Matt, You know, whatever. I don't know. But this is the thing, and this is where the draft always is intriguing, and I think that's why the draft every year. Look at us now. We've now kind of been talking about – Stuff leading up to the draft, and now we're talking about it. And you know, we talked about, you know, doing some more things leading up to the actual draft because why? It's intriguing. We got all these guys in college. Man, we scouted this guy. We watched that guy play for that team. We've watched this. We've seen that. We've heard this. We've heard that. And now you get to say, okay, it's our time to pick. Oh man, we actually want it a linebacker, but you know what? We never thought that guy was going to be here. And we take him and then it just messes up all everybody else's draft board. So that's why it was so crazy when, you know, let fans come there and they're either cheering their draft pick or booing. But I just know that given what we've had and what we've had, and, you know, there's just been a lot of different things that have, throwing a monkey wrench into maybe why we weren't as successful, especially last year, as we could
3: have been. Well, we're going to find out. We're going to find out real quick because the Rams, if they don't make out in this draft, if they don't make things happen, they have enough in terms of issues on the roster where it could be exposed pretty well by a very strong NFC West. We're going to find out. And hopefully, Lesney does – the job and keeps doing the job. I mean, I love his talent evaluation and I love his work ethic when it comes to film. So hopefully this guy can, he can keep doing the things that this team right back on the contention. So folks, that's it. That's a wrap for us. We're looking for sponsors for 2020. We need a little bit of love here. So if you could, reach out to us at Ramsdot1945 at gmail.com. We'll use a voicemail at 657 665 We have a meek it ready to get out to you. And don't forget we're part of the big heads media podcast network. They got loads of good stuff there, folks. Go check it out. So, all that in mind, here we go. Find us on Twitter, at TalkRams. You can find me on Twitter, at Apollo. You can find Mike, at 1Duke23. Don't forget, it's available on Apple Music, Stitcher, AHA Radio, all those places. And for Mike and the entire staff here, this is Derek C.Apaul. Stay tuned for draft programming this week. We're on. It's coming. Finally here, yes. 2020, the NFL Draft. Finally, some sports to watch. Finally. We're out of here. Have a great one. We out.
2: This episode is sponsored by Schwanz.com.